This is Raptors Game Night on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. And are enjoying a nice victory tonight. 117-111 in Houston against the Rockets. So the road trip is 3-3. Three and three. Welcome to the postgame show, Raptors Game Night. Jim Taddy, Javon Shepard, Warren Ward, and Josh Lewenberg. Finally, some normalcy to the broadcast. <laughs> Warren, let, let me throw it. To, yeah, let me throw it to you this way. Uh, this game reminded me of what we used to see all the time from the Raptors a year ago. Uh, maybe not the best start, but they worked their way through it and then took control of the game. And the backcourt was was magnificent. When you look at uh, Freddie and Gary Trent Jr., five of eleven, five of nine. So that's ten of twenty, fifty percent back there. That I mean, those guys drove the bus tonight. There's no question about that. This is kind of, uh, sort of sort of reminiscent of a year ago, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we've been talking about this. I mean, they've they've usually come out pretty flat. The Raptors have, and uh, luckily tonight we had you know Fred and Gary playing like all stars. You know, 56 points combined, 10 made threes. Fred again scoring over 30. So he's you know he's finally found his shot. He's playing well. I think his legs are underneath him, and he's his you know his body is responding as well. And then Gary. You know, just, you know, um, just as Fred said, straight bucket. And that's that, you know, I mean, mean, that's what that guy does. But I I think the player of the game for me was Boucher, because every time the Raptors needed a lift, he was there. Whether that was the third quarter or the first, he came in and completely changed the game with his energy and his effort and his rebounding. I know Fred and Gary, you know, I mean, as you said, they definitely led the bus. But um, in terms of the game changer, hats off to Chris. You know, well-deserved win. And we're back at, what, three and three in the road trip this far. So, you know, 50% basketball, um, you know, right now. Listen, they, they closed out the game. That's the important part. They came out in the third quarter and really took this game over. But more importantly, Coach Nurse still has his challenge available. So he, <laughs> if he's gone through four quarters and we still have a challenge, you know, on the board, that there, something good happened there. You don't get and to carry those over. You don't, you don't get to carry them over. But we've seen them use in the first 10 seconds. We've seen them, we've seen them go. But So that's always something good. But. You know, Warren, to your point, you're right, right? 11 points off of the bench, and all of those came from Chris Boucher. And it wasn't just the points, right? I think he, he's the one that changed the complexion of this game, just really came in, his shot blocking, just his energy, right? Like that, He came with a presence, right? As, as slim as he is, right? And I know he calls himself Slim Dunk, Slim Dunk, but as slim as he is, he came out with a, with a big presence, right? And you felt that with this team. And just the, 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 the second line, the back line of the defense, in that third quarter, right, four four blocks, and it it gave it gave this team like an anchor, right, and I think yeah. that's where we've questioned them so much on the defensive side, and we've talked about them winning the, the the possession game, but when you have that shot blocking ability on that back line, you you can trust your defense a bit more, you can gamble a bit more because you know somebody's going to clean up, and that gave them some op- some more opportunities to get out on the on the offensive end and just score the basketball. And, Guys were making threes. That was a difference tonight, plus 24 from the three-point line. And we see, like, this is always a different team when they're making shots from the perimeter, right? And a number of guys knocked down shots. You have Barnes going three for seven, Pascal one for three, but Gary Trent Jr., five for nine. He had a stretch where he he made a couple back-to-back-to-back, and Fred, five for 11 from three, right? And those are all the guys that you want taking those shots, and you also want those are the guys that you want to make those shots, right? So, it is a different team when you're knocking down, and then obviously they did what they did on defensive side. Yeah, I think well, I'll pick up on the bench there because I, I think we can kind of go good bad with the bench tonight. I, I mean, Chris Boucher, I agree with you. I think that was much needed. How how often do you see in a game where a team's first bucket 
comes from a guy who didn't even start the game. Boucher put the Raptors yeah. on the board <laughs> with a three after yeah. a, a really sluggish start that obviously forced Nurse to call the timeout and, and make some changes there. But yeah, just, just coming in with that energy, that's when Boucher is at his best. And even this season, when he's played this way, the Raptors have have needed that given their lack of depth at times coming off the bench. And that's where I'll segue to the bad outside. Of, and Javon mentioned this 11 points from the bench. All of them come from Boucher. You can quote Sam Mitchell with the rest of the bench. It's zero, 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 zero. But I mean, these are it's, it's not significant minutes from these guys. And that's another thing is obviously if they're not playing significant minutes, it means that Nick Nurse doesn't trust these guys enough, but they're, they're, you're playing these guys enough that you need them to contribute somewhere, somehow. I, I liked Coloco's energy, and he had the seven boards, a couple of blocks. I, I liked Coloco's 17 minutes, even though he didn't take a shot. But Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton in a couple minutes. They didn't get much from Juancho Hernan Gomez in five minutes. And that has been so often this season the problem, especially when somebody's been out of the lineup. You subtract OG Ananobi, a rotation player, and all of a sudden, okay, well, how many guys can you rely on to play consistent rotation minutes? And that's why you're asking so much of Van Vliet and Siakam. And, I mean, Fred has been awesome recently. I just posted this. His numbers over the last 10 games, just over 27 points, 47% from the field, 41% from three. But one thing I've noticed a bunch this year is as great as Siakam and Van Vliet have been over the courses of their careers at playing off of one another, we haven't seen many games this year where they've both been great right like Siakam has had stretches now he's sort of tired a little bit understandably considering the workload he's carried and Van Vliet is playing the best basketball of his career but we haven't seen many games where they've both been the all-star versions of themselves and I think ultimately when you look at the record that's sort of reflected there in the wins and losses Okay, so they sit at three and three on this road trip, and and I, I think we you know we can go back over it, and, and even though there's three losses there, there are, there are good moments in those losses. Uh, I think when the road trip started, it was supposed to sort of define the season. I I don't know that it has or it changes anything when you go to the trade deadline, but uh, you know it's a pretty competitive team, and and I think uh, Warren, as we said in the pregame show, probably better than its record, but I don't know what that's worth. Well, on paper, it isn't worth much. That's that's for sure. You know, you gotta. You know, you got to get up uh, in the win column. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say that, um, I mean, the, the season thus far has been reflective of this road trip. We have played well in spurts and we've played poorly in spurts. And that's why I think the team right now is three and three, because that's pretty much been our season. We've been um, half half the times good, half the times bad. And um, unfortunately, it's not so much bad, bad play, but it's just the outcome. And unfortunately, in sports, that's the business, you know what I mean, that we're in. We are here to talk about the outcome. We, you know, we don't get paid to exactly predict much. We get paid to dissect and analyze the afterward effect. And unfortunately, in this sport, like I said, that is, you know I mean, that is the reality. So it's not worth much, but I, I'm a, I, I, stand, I stand firmly in my statement. I think the Raptors are a much better team than their record. It's just um, due to consistency and due to a bunch of different factors, they haven't been able to play um, – up to par all the time and unfortunately you know it's it's led it's led to some losses yeah I I mean I think you look at the totality of the season so far there's been some bad luck in close games there's been some injuries certainly but to Warren's point I I mean even if you project where they'd be at this point and eliminate 
the injuries eliminate some of the bad luck. They've performed as a 500 team when you look at the the net rating and the point differential and all of that. So to see how things have played out here on the road, and, and we talked about this the other day where I think a lot of people were hoping for, maybe expecting one thing to happen in one direction or the other on this road trip. Either you come out and you look great and like this is where the season turns around or you come out and you get blown out and it's like, okay, well now you have to make a move. But this was always the most likely reality, the most likely result on a, on a seven-game road trip is you were probably going to end up three and four or four and three. Um, so that that's where the Raptors are after 50-some-odd games of the season, there are very little surprises at this point. It's a team that's been up and down. It's a team that still, I think, even on this road trip we've seen, they show great promise because there is great promise on this roster. But I think those moments are few and far between, and, and they, they're they fleeting. They, they've been too inconsistent uh, overall, and, and that's why they find themselves at, where are they at, 25 and and. 24 and 30 now through yeah, 54 games. Yeah, the, the yeah. highs are high and, and the lows are low, yeah. right? And I think one thing's for certain, and I'm sure you guys would agree with me right now, is that there's so much uncertainty still with this, with the direction of the club and, you know, going on this road trip, you know, what were they going to do? And I think, you know, at the point they are right now, we, 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 we still don't know. Right, because you, you, what are we? Yeah. Three on three on the road trip right now, and and my thing is when you when you go on to these type of road trips, and you know your team's going through adversity, you learn so much about your group, right? You build with your group, you know, you guys argue, guys bicker, guys figure each other out, you know, and they're all every one of these guys right now, not just with the Raptors, they're playing yes to stay in their respective locker locker room, but at the same token, everybody wants to put their best performance, produce the most, and and the best that they have because. You, if you're in the package, you want to be wanted, right? And that's not just limited to the Raptors. That's, you know, teams across the board. And, you know, when you look at, for me, it's, it's, it's special to see, you know, a guy like Fred, whose name has been rumored so much, playing his best basketball right now, right? Because he won. I think he took a lot of criticism early, um, early on in the season. He just went through, he went through, it's, there's highs and lows, there's peaks and valleys. And he just went through a stretch where he wasn't in rhythm. Right, it took some time for him to get out of it, but right now, you know, Fred is making some back-to-back thirty-point games, shooting the ball well, and you know, the decision maker, the lead guard that you expect to see from him, right? So, I'm I'm impressed and I'm thrilled to see that, and I I think with this group, it's it's going to be bittersweet whichever way it goes because you you see the potential here, and I think naturally, we've seen a lot of these guys come in young, and we've grown to have an emotional attachment to them, right? And you want to continue to grow with them. We we don't know, but at the same token, I think you know Kyrie throwing a wrench across the league and it, like he's yeah. he's just throwing everybody for a loop right now. I think I'm, I'm reading I'm reading the wildest you know, of wild cards. NBA Twitter yeah. right now, and even even Kevin Durant has gone on record to say like it shocked him as well, right? So this is why this is probably the most fun time of the season where everything you know you get All Star break, but at the same time there's just so much going on, so much shifts going on, and then you get a completely different season, you know, after the break. Just, to, totally just to add to that really quick. If if I could, Tatman, sorry to cut yep. you off. Just I just want to talk about. I mean, we're we. I know when Fred was playing poorly per se, just because he was you know missing shots and you know not himself and you know kind of deferring. But now that he's been more aggressive, I gotta say for a guy who's six foot one, he makes really good decisions. 
you know, um, in ball screens. He's a major reason why the Raptors don't turn the ball over, and and they're one of the league leaders in that position. And not to mention, he's playing point guard. And I know Nick Nurse was talking about it earlier. He has to not only score the ball, but defend. And I'm sure Javon would tell you that is hard to do. There's probably eight players in the entire world who can do that effectively on both ends of the floor. And I think he's literally one of them because there's no off nights as a point guard. That's the hardest position to play probably for the last 20 years. Hardest position you know, in, in the league. In any, in any league. And we're any talking league, about the NBA. Yeah. And yeah. you think about Europe, that anywhere. <laughs> Warren, you think anywhere. about that. He's, he's also defending, you know, the, the first Fast. initial screen yeah. that, is, that is initiating the offenses, right? And that's the most – that to me is the most pivotal point because if you stop – if you get a stop there or disrupt the offense there, you, you've thrown up – you've blown up the whole entire system, the whole entire scheme, right? So there's a lot of responsibility that's there and then to come back down on the offensive end and not just get your own but orchestrate a team. Yeah. He's led the league in distance traveled on the court – in each of the last three years, add that obviously to all the minutes he's played and his size and his style of play. I'm not sure that there's a player in the NBA that works harder for his points than Fred Van Vliet. 117-111 was the final for the Raptors over the Rockets. Javon, thanks very much for hanging around. We'll continue on. This is Raptors game night on TSN 1050. Raptors game night. Jim Taddy, Josh Lewinberg, and Warren Ward with you till the top of the hour. 117-111, the Raptors win in Houston. The road trip is 3-3. Three and three. It wraps up on Sunday in Memphis. And our next Raptors coverage will be the night before the trade deadline and the night after. So while we're on that, Warren, you know, when you look at the possibilities, and we, uh, you know, we detailed this nicely in the pregame show, everybody has faith and is looking forward to what the front office will do out of respect for what they've achieved in the past, and, and it's been very good. So when you look at this team, there's not much issue with the starters, that's for sure. Uh, the bench at times has been... Well, 11 points tonight sums it up, nine of them in the first quarter. Um, and, and so there's, there's not a lot of help that way. And, and so you look at this team and, and you, you know, the, obviously the headliners are, are Freddie or Gary Trent Jr. And what could you get? But, but really, if you could keep the, the, the starters, and, and obviously there's contract implications, but add to that bench, you know, might have a different story here. I think if I'm going to do anything, like I said, it's, it's more about the direction and, and trying to figure out who we can get, and how do they help the team not only now but in the future. Uh, I've Obviously, the Raptors bench needs improvement. Um, you know, I, th- I think that goes without saying. Uh, the Raptors have, have, like, historically done pretty well in the draft, and they've drafted players who, um, you know, have developed. I think Delano Banton and um, – uh, Mr. Flynn, Malachi Flynn, excuse me, he, yeah. they, they have been slower to develop and haven't developed as quickly and haven't been able to contribute as much. I think they, they thought they, they saw another Fred in Malachi, and unfortunately it just hasn't panned out that way. So you need to shift and maybe change direction and decide, okay, who's going to give us minutes at that position? Because I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking that the point guard position for the Raptors has been probably you know one of their most important positions. I think we know what we're going to get from Pascal. I think Scotty is coming into his own. He's he's actually been playing, you know, pretty consistently and has improved month over month. So uh, I think Precious playing in the dunker spot and then OG's like the wild card there. You know, some nights he's going to come out and play extremely well and score and, and other nights, you know, you know, you may not get the offense, but the defense will always be there. And then, you know, Coloco's young. So there's there is room for growth. It's just what direction does the team want to go in? Obviously, it's the NBA, so youth is going to be king, of course. So going young will always be um, 
the most attractive thing to do. But at the same time, can you get a player who's young but maybe you know has a year or two you know of experience who knows how to score who can who can come in because it's it's one thing to to expect a drafted player to come in but when you get drafted to the NBA obviously you know I haven't experienced that but you know when you get drafted I'm sure you know your eyes are wide you know what I mean everything's new to you so basketball may still be the focus but you know you you may get distracted if you go to Miami you know what I mean? As someone who's been in the NBA for a year, two, three years, it's now starting to be, you know, probably become more of a focus on the sport. And I think those players can come in immediately and have an impact on winning. Yeah, I think the big question, as Warren mentioned here, is which direction, what direction do they want to take this team in? And the great news is, and this really is a big thing for this organization is they have a lot of flexibility. That's something that they've valued over the last few years. We've talked about it a lot is maintaining the flexibility through keeping their draft picks and, and, and collecting these, these young intriguing players in or around their prime that play premium positions and that have team friendly contracts and then developing those guys, growing those guys. So I think they're in a good long-term position, but they do have to decide where they want to go from here because you can only stand pat so long, right? Like this has been a front office that for, if we're, if we're looking back at their track record, because it's been now almost a decade that Masai Ujiri and, and company have been at the helm of this team Certainly patience is the thing that comes up. I I mean, he has always given his teams the opportunity to sink or swim and basically decide their own fate, right? Like he hasn't been, um, he he hasn't been short-sighted. He's kind of let things play out a little bit. And and that's what I think he's done with this team here too, opting to stand pat at the deadline last year, opting not to break up the core over the off season. But I will also say when things haven't worked out as they've, not worked out this year, this front office has also shown that they're willing to step in and at times make a bold move and and pivot into a different direction. And that could be where they're at right now. Like I, I, I spoke to an NBA executive the other day who told me that they would be shocked based on what they've seen and what they're hearing and what their sense of it is. They would be shocked if the Raptors didn't do something next week. So I think change is coming to some degree to what we'll find out, and when that change is coming, we'll also find out, because another thing that we've learned about this front office over the years is they don't like to be rushed. They don't like to feel like they're on somebody else's timeline, and that's why Masai Ujiri is known to dislike the trade deadline, prefers to do things during the offseason. So my sense of it is, like, they're going to see what is out there on February 9th, and if they don't get what they're looking for, and if... They're not ready to make that big move. They've indicated to teams that they're perfectly comfortable waiting until the offseason or maybe even beyond that to decide where they're going to go. But I will say this. We can talk about the track record all we want and look back into history. But this, I think, is the most pressure that this front office has ever been under to do something. So we'll, we'll find out what that something is pretty soon now. Absolutely. And, you know, the, I don't know what the level of intrigue is in this. It's high for me. But these are all, there are no inherited players on this on this Raptors roster. These are all uh, players that they've selected, acquired, or drafted. And so these are all uh, all from the front office that exists now. No, Not inherited from another regime. So I don't know how that plays into things, but it will be interesting for me. How about you, Warren? I, 
I'm I'm with you. I mean, I you know I agree with uh, with Josh. You know, I mean, and what he said. I think this is the the toughest decision that that uh, you know this front office is going to have to make. Whether the players are you know drafted players or players that you know have come from the G League, for instance. I mean, this this group's been together for a long time. So the changes that are coming are going to affect this team for not only, like I said, now, but for years to come. I mean, you know, it's the start of the decade, and the uh, the group that is going to come in is probably going to be younger and um, is going to be here for, a, you know, a number of years. And I think that's, that is something that, um, you know, you're, you're changing the foundation, you know, of the franchise. Whatever change you make, you're definitely changing the franchise because you're not going to get um, big return for anyone al- un- unless you're going to give up someone, you know, of significant value. So uh, change is coming. And, uh, you know, I'm here for it. These are big decisions and very tough decisions. And a big part of it, Jim, is that that point that you mentioned is like, these are guys that Masai Ujiri feels very, very strongly about. Like he believes in them. He doesn't want to trade OG. He doesn't want to trade Fred Van Vliet. He doesn't want to trade Pascal Siakam. Now that doesn't mean that he won't. He didn't want to trade DeMar DeRozan. He didn't want to fire Dwayne Casey. You know, sometimes the hard decisions need to be made. And that's why I say like they've shown this front office at times that they'll make the tough and unpopular decisions when the situation warrants it. And I think there are a few things here. Like, one, th- this team has underperformed. But also, like, you look at, you talk about the lack of depth. And Warren mentioned this earlier. Like, they get top marks for the way that they've drafted in some of the trades, a lot of the trades that they've made. Where they've failed or where they haven't succeeded is in free agency, is going out and signing guys. Granted, they haven't had cap space. But even with the mid-level exception, like, that, your success rate is not going to be super high on those on those smaller signings, but you have to have some success and they haven't had a lot of it recently. What that means is that if you're not signing guys, you've got to be able to maybe move a guy if it OG or whoever, and maybe look to find some depth and find some talent and build out your roster that way. Another thing is like, the clock is ticking on this core, and, and they're going to get really, really expensive soon. So whether you like it or not, you've got to make some decisions. Otherwise, you're going to be paying deep into the luxury tax, in this case for a 12-place team, because you've got Van Vliet and Trent, free agents this summer. Then you've got Siakam eligible for an extension. It's Shua. OG Ananobi is a year away from being eligible for an extension. You know, So like, it's coming to a point where decisions have to be made, whether they like it or not. It's just a question, again, of when those decisions come and what those decisions will ultimately be. Yeah, very intriguing. Guys, uh, Captain Generosity is back. I'm going to give you the rest of the night off. Oh, my good Tap, man. You're so you're so kind. You're so kind. Well, you tried, you tried to skim my salary at the start of the game. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. I said, I, I said, leave Josh's. Leave yours. Definitely leave mine. I said, you can cut Javon's and Jonesy's. Those two are making the most. We got we to gotta, we gotta find a way. Good thing we know they're team players. Right. Yeah, Javon, keep your eyes on the road, buddy. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. All right. This is Raptors Game Night on TSN 1050.